You're listening to the best of Morning Drive with Dietrich and White, an on-demand audio presentation of redpeachsports.com and ESPN977.com. Now here's today's show. Good morning, North Louisiana. What up? How goes it? Aaron and Kevo hanging out on this Tuesday morning. We're getting some grilling tips from uh, Kevo. Good stuff on the ribs in the 7 o'clock hour, Kevo. I did, they were delicious. I, sh- I should have brought you one. And you pointed out that Show you said uh, you hope to have the restaurant open by Memorial Day. I think you meant I'm, Labor Day. I'm so, yeah, it better be open by Memorial Day. I, yeah, you're right. I'm sorry, Labor Day. We're open between Labor Day and October 1. Uh, we always look forward to hearing from Gus Cattengill. He joins us on the Stuart Shelby Hotline. Gus, how are you doing this morning, bud? Morning, Just a Gus. second here. What? Oh, yeah. We're working on Gus. That was, I was like, that wasn't Gus, that was Tabor. Uh, we're going to get him here in a second. Yes, sir. Uh, but, yeah, we uh, we had a great – it was uh, and that pineapple sausage is going to be on the menu. Ooh, Shelly, I'm, I, look, I've got a case of it. So one evening this week – Don't I'm tease to, me. Don't tease before me. you go out of town, I know you I'm got a picture. I'm back on the diet for this uh, – uh, vacation. Well, sausage is all, you know, it's carb, right? It's K. What's this keto, keto thing everybody's doing? Yeah, it's all meat. Uh, Gus joins us on the Stuart Shelby Hotline. Gus, how are you doing this morning? Good morning, Gus. Good, man. How you guys doing? Good, uh, Good sir. What did you put on the grill yesterday, man? Um, I actually did not. I spent Ooh. the because we had to do the show till three, so I got back uh-huh. here and I was planning on doing. The, the the wings I've been doing in the smoker lately, which like yeah, using the smoker as a grill, if that makes sense, right? You take the water oh, pan yes, out sir. and you're doing it that way, and um, I can get them done in about an hour, hour and a half, easy. And I was doing that, and then apparently little guy started saying "pool" to my wife while I was on my way home, so we went to uh, the Southern Yacht Club over there and swam to like 5:36, and then uh, we wound up just eating some leftovers. I had every intention to grill, but yeah, we actually talked about that yesterday on our show. Like, what is the one thing that you love to grill, or you're known for? Is it a side? Is it, you know, a dish stuff like that? But dude, I'm I'm so I love grilling. I mean, whether it's slabs of ribs in the smoker, whether it's just grilling steaks or chicken or strips of meat that I cut up, and then you know, sort of do it kind of like Spanish style, like that. Oh, not fajitas, but just you you'll take right. like some chunks of meat and just you know throw it on there like that. So. I'm in. I'm I, I I'm comfortable. It's weird. I'm hot standing outside getting the mail, <laughs> but with a beer in my hand and while I'm grilling, I don't mind sweating. Is that? Am I? I'm not no. the only one that's like that, right? It's really weird that way. I could be standing outside for some reason, either talking to someone. I'm like, man, I'm dying. My shirt's sticky. Yet if I'm over a grill and there's music and I have a beer in my hand, I'm not bothered by 95 degree heat. It's really odd how that happens. It's a mindset. It's just a totally different. It, it is one of the most relaxing things I can do. It is. I, I'm, I'm 100% in agreement with you. And I, I, there was an adjustment period with my my wife yes, and sir. I because her and her family are so used to, you know, say I have you guys over, Aaron, and, and, and you know, I'm like, hey, you know, one o'clock, and he, with her family, as you said, at 1 o'clock, that means when you show up, the food is ready. Yeah. See, me, I'm like, you guys come over at 1, 
I'm saying that because the finals game or the Eastern Conference Western Conference finals is at five. Let's, you know, it's like I, I, I'm about the three to four hour process. When you guys show up, we go outside, we open the beer, and then I turn the grill on. I mean, that's, that's sort of how I cook. <laughs> that's, how, that's my process. So when I give you a time, that's when we're getting started. You know, it's, so it was a little different getting, uh, getting that adjusted because, um, yeah, I mean, he, she thinks it's, you know, when, when we say a time, it's, that's when everybody shows up expecting food. I'm like, whoa! I so if you're telling people three, I need to start cooking around too. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> All right, Gus. You know what the hot topic is going to be today? Did uh, Houston choke or did Golden State just make some oh, clutch shots down the stretch? Dude, let me tell you something. It, it's crazy because I have no invest in the game. Right? It's not like I, I rooted for Houston this year. It's not like, and quite honestly, part of me. Storyline-wise, and, and, and to give us interest and stuff to talk about over the next two weeks, essentially, it would be Warriors and Cavs, right? I mean, when you think about it. But here's the reality. The Cavs and Warriors are in the finals, which is crazy because a lot of people probably have them in before the season start or have them as favorites to go. They got in, and I'm not saying backdoor because you have to earn it. You do have to go win. Both teams, think of this, we're down two games. Both teams had a clinch game seven on the road, and both teams, you know, somehow got in uh, because I think the other teams just did not finish. And when you look at Boston, you you could just tell that inexperience and no one to really kind of get there. You you can just see it over and over again. And and it's something that we yell about when we follow the Pels throughout our season, whether it's Dino who chats hoops with me, other analysts, it's about valuing possessions and understanding the game and basketball IQ. And I, look, I, there's two people to blame on this. And one, you have to start with who I refer to as the playground coach on my on my show. It, you know, um, you know, Mike Suckantoni. I mean, he's terrible. I mean, he's terrible as a coach because you are not doing your job in helping your team to win. He almost blew the previous series with the hey, this is who we are, you know, whatever DNA stuff. You have to make adjustments. Making adjustments is what wins you championships, which is why he's never going to win one that way. When you miss 27 straight three-pointers, at some point you either call a timeout or in the huddle, you say, other than it's a battle, guys, we're battling. I mean, when he's mic'd up. Now, granted, maybe they just used the three seconds out of that entire bite, but anything that ever was said from him during that game yesterday I mean, he's the playground coach. You know, he's the guy that just sits there, all right, come on, now swing, now swing, now hit it hard, hit it hard in baseball or in basketball. It's like, come on, now shoot it, shoot it good. You're not telling me anything how to do it. In my hands back, do I pick up the, you know, the ball by the ear of the pitch? I mean, give me coaching other than, come on now. You know, I mean, that's what I heard from him yesterday, and that's what it was. And what really ticked me off, and again, I have no invest. I'm not a Rockets fan. I'm a, just a sports guy, and I'm like, you know, they have a minute, something left. He's sitting down, his assistant has the, the clipboard, and he's trying to get them to press and play defense. Reggie Miller's like, where's the pressure on the defense? You're only down nine, even if you're a three-point team, with, you know, over 90 seconds to go. You can maybe make a, a run at this. He's sitting on the bench. He gave up. He quit. And it's just it's nuts to me because if Ariza's not making any shots, you go somewhere else. You have to, I mean, he only went with a seven-man bench. I, I can go on and on the amount of mistakes Houston made yesterday, but everyone wants to go about the Warriors' third quarter. You helped them. I mean, I'm literally screaming again. I'm like, don't do game six. 
don't jack up stupid threes. I mean, Ariza literally did a turnaround three. You know, when he just got the ball, he barely was dribbling, and he just turned around and jacked it up. I mean, that's just that's idiocy. Drive to the basket, get fouled. You have Clay Thompson with three fouls, got him to four early, and you just you made it easy for them to come back in the third, and then you're whoosh, tightened up, dude, because once they took the lead, you were done for. You absolutely saw it. And, look, Harden may be a great scorer, but you definitely saw what his deficiencies – you know, in this series to me, because Chris Paul is the best dude on that team. And Chris Paul not playing absolutely killed Houston's chances to, I think, probably win the NBA title. But, man, I, I, it, it, yeah, I, I, Houston blew that series, man. They absolutely should have won six. They should have won last night. They gave that game away by the possessions that they didn't value, by jacking up dumb shots, by going 20. Guys, think about that. 27 straight missed threes. You might want to try something else. Mm-hmm. Gus, we talked about earlier, I said, imagine us coming in today and you hearing, hey, this quarterback missed these receivers that many times. I mean, it, it, right. it's just pathetic. I said to Aaron earlier, I said, D'Antoni, needs, somebody needs to grab him by the tie this morning and go, what the hell were you thinking? No leadership. Let me tell you something. I, I, I was texting a couple of buddies that we, you know, we talk and watch hoops all the time, which really makes my wife thrilled, by the way, to sit on the couch <laughs> and text while I'm watching the game. She can't understand sure. and ask me to explain it all the time. She's like, you're, you're watching the game? I'm like, I'm doing both. And anyway, so, Why are you on Twitter during I, the game? Why I, are you can on Twitter? Exactly, I can multitask. I can multitask. You're right. Yeah, exactly right. Why are you on Twitter? Because like, I'm tweeting. That's what I got to do. Yes. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I say you should have been fired the third quarter. Like, he should I, – I wanted to see for the first time ever, like, Agreed. just the guy, just get up from his courtside seat and be like, get out, just go. Just bring somebody else in because, again, I, I just – it doesn't make any sense to me. Look what happened. It was three and a half and some change in the fourth. And Eric Gordon drove to the basket three straight times, three straight buckets. James Harden drove to the basket two plays later and kicked it out. Now, and then about a play or two later – he goes Harden, which is, oh, I mean, I'm like yelling at the TV. He drives. He's in the paint. He can do a floater. He can do a finger roll. Maybe he can kiss it off the glass. But he's in the paint. The Warrior players behind him. And in the air, he tries to find, guess who, Trevor Ariza in the left corner for a three, and the pass gets picked off. And I'm just, I'm like, you deserve to lose at that point. You deserve to lose because that's stupid. First off, I wouldn't pass to Trevor Ariza if my life depended on it when the guy can't make a shot. And I'm trying to play for the finals. I will talk to him in the locker room if he feels offended that I didn't throw. He could be wide open. He could be double arm waving me, and I'm going to give him the finger because he's not getting the ball. I'm, and I'm at the rim. What am I doing? I'm, I'm passing up a layup to try to find a guy who can't make a three. I mean, I just, I don't get it. It was just, it, it was, it was dumb basketball, man. It like set the game back. I was just, I'm sitting there watching this. I'm like, this is unbelievable. I just, I don't get it. And that's where that Chris Paul aspect came from. Cause you saw him in the series take over, calm things down. That's what it was. He would have had the ball in his hands. He would have made the decision. I just, I was shocked, man. I, and look, I get it. 
because it's what we talked about when it comes to the Pels with Anthony Davis. And you have to be in that position to then know that next level to take it, right? I mean, that's what they talked about with Toronto and DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry, that they're good, they're superstars, but you have to take it to another level in, 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 as the rounds continue and the rounds get more important. And that's the key thing to me, is that you didn't see it. And, and I don't know, man, if Harden is, is that guy or not. Because, I mean, what was he, 9 for 45 towards the end of that game from three-pointer in the series? That, that's unbelievable because you know what I think he's incredible at? Driving to the basket. He's incredible uh-huh. at driving to the basket. I mean, he's, he's quick. He's strong. He's incredible in doing that. And he just didn't do it in this series. And I don't get it, man. And I always refer to it, especially when we go back and forth with the, the GOAT talk of LeBron and MJ. I'll never forget and come fly with me or in any of the other interviews. And, by the way, I can't wait for that documentary, right, the 10-part 30 for 30 next year. Um, he said, when my shot's not going down, I can still get my points driving to the yes. basket and at the free throw line. That, I mean, that, it's boom, right there. If I can't make a three, I get my rhythm by going to the free throw line, getting my points, and not hurting my team. I mean, again, they had a double-digit lead in the third, and in four possessions against that team, when you jack up bad shots and they're misses and then they make it, you're in trouble. You have to slow the game down. You have to drive to the basket. You have one of their best shooters with three fouls. You're about to get four on them. In the third, what are you doing? It just it makes no sense. I mean, do you realize Clay Thompson didn't play in the third? I mean, it's nuts. He got that third foul, he was done. He didn't play in the third. I mean, Reggie Miller was like, you, you're about to have a fresh Clay Thompson in the fourth. Exactly. I mean, it's just it's incredible to me. You know, I get your DNA, ball movement, driving to the basket beats the Warriors. It's the only way the Pels were in the game at a lot of times. You know, I mean, you, you can't jack up threes against that team because if you don't make them – they're off and running. Gus, uh, finally, uh, did I miss anything with the uh, Saints OTA? Was there a storyline or two that uh, perhaps I didn't see? You know, Aaron, just, uh, I'll be honest with you. I think there, there was about three um, things to keep an eye on. And, 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 you know, the first thing that stood out to me was just the health. You know, you're starting to see – it was nice to actually see guys that, uh, you, you know, that were done and last year and, and actually on the field, right? I'll quickly go through. I mean, you, you saw it was nice. Sands Loney back on the field. Kikaha back on the field. Um, you, you definitely saw, you know, when you look at the offensive line, Andres Pete wasn't there. That's fine. He's coming back from a late season injury. But there, there's Armstead. You know, it's great to see that. Him and Ramchek, man. If those two guys can play and Armstead can give me a season and Ramchek can just do what he did last year, you got two really good tackles there. Um, uh, you know, so you saw some health from that issue, you know, from that standpoint. You saw bodies that were gone coming back. Cameron Meredith running around doing routes. He didn't do team because you wanted to eliminate any possibility of contact, bumping knees and stuff of that nature. But I can tell you when it was just offense, he did every drill, full speed, no brace, no neoprene sleeve, no nothing. He was targeting training camp to start working with the team and the regular season to be ready for the team. So the fact that he was out there is huge. Um, the other thing that hit me just by looking at the health, depth, man. This team is deeper than you can just see it. Um, the other thing that I thought was interesting that I took away from was in an offseason where you, me, national folks are saying, hey, this is a playoff or Super Bowl caliber team, you worry about how hard you're ready to come back and work. 
and it was as competitive as a training camp sort of team session there. Anya Mata with a little fist to cuff, and that comes from two things. One, that competitive nature, and the coaches are trying to get you to do that, but two, it's depth. That guy's he's battling for a roster spot. He's battling, you know, for Mitchell Lowen to try to not to take his, his snaps. I mean, you just look in that backfield. Look, I don't know what Mark Ingram's thinking because they were just moving on, and you can just see from whether it's Williams, the running back, Scott, or even Edmonds, and then you see Drew and Alvin Kamara were, like, inseparable. He'd do a drill with them, and then he'd follow them down the field after he did the toss on a toss run, and then Kamara throwing the ball, then Breeze would throw the ball right back, and then it would talk all the way back to the huddle. I mean, they're, they're like BFFs, dude, on, in every drill. So they're basically trying to become second nature. I don't know what Ingram's doing, but it's the wrong move because I'm looking at it, and I see a healthy Cameron Meredith. You know the rookie, Traquan Smith, is going to get some action. Ben Watson is going to get a target or two. You're going to throw to Mike Thomas, who looks like a freak of nature out there, and Alvin Kamara. So, I, you know, Mark, it's been good seeing you. Because I, I don't know. I mean, I, you yep. know so those are the things that really stood out to me. That makes no sense. Why wouldn't he be there? He's already in the doghouse anyway. And then exactly. Why, I, mean, I mean, look, I, like I said, I, it makes no sense to me because – at the very least, if you want to orchestrate a trade, you can go get – and, and not in a bad way, because I agree. If I'm Mark Ingram, I'm like, guys, send me somewhere where they need a running back that, you know, gets 20 to 25 carries. And he should. Right. That's where he's good at, right? And I think Sean would be like, all right, dude, uh, if that's what you want, I'll help you with that. The best way to do that is to put yourself on tape and everything. Now, the only thing I can think of, Aaron, is – Every chance that I step on that field, I have a chance to get hurt. Uh, right? I mean, we saw the guy in San Diego blow his ACL. So the only thing I can think of is he goes, if I, if I do want to trade or I want a contract, but every chance I get up there, I can get hurt. Like, I can get hurt, twist an ankle. I can get hurt doing an ACL. So the, the least amount of times that I have to be there is going to help me with that because I'm not going to get hurt. It's the only thing that makes sense to me because when your coach thinks you should be there and when your organization that made Drew Brees wait until the opening week of the season before his last big deal, not the two-year, I'm talking about when it was another four-year deal, they made him wait to the opening week of the regular season. Brees, a Hall of Famer. Mark, no offense, you're not Drew Brees. They make that guy wait for a contract, you holding out, and getting you a contract. Mm-hmm. Gus, we want to hear more. Where can we hear you later today? Noon to 3 on ESPN New Orleans. And uh, you can just follow us on the TuneIn Radio app or on Twitter at GCAT underscore 17. When are you going on vacation? You know what? Thoughts and prayers because uh, Thursday after the show, I'm going to Disney World for the weekend. Nice. Nice. Uh, well, yeah, it is. <laughs> it is. Let's, let's pray. Be soon to be 18 months old. Because uh, I, I, yeah. I don't know if it's the molars that are popping or what. But, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Maybe he's training to be a pro wrestler, but the, the hands to the face, the just blatant screaming for no reason, it started. <laughs> and I know it's coming. I know it is. And just the thought of being in a plane confined and forcing him to sit down on my lap for an hour and a half is starting to make me a little nervous. <laughs> Good luck with that. 
She'll exactly. That's why I say, well, you know what? Next Tuesday, I'll have that report. We come back Sunday okay. night. So oh, I'll let can't you know. wait. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Later, bud. Thanks, brother. All right, man. Take care, guys. Good stuff. Gus Cat and go. Let's take a time out. You can weigh in on the Stuart Shelby hotline slash text line 888-993-7762. We're back after this. So a couple of things that caught my attention this weekend, uh, Kevo, uh, Shea Patterson, and of course uh, the Wolverines made their big trip to uh, Paris. You know, that team bonding exercise of Jim Harbaugh and the Wolverines. Patterson right. is talking out about his uh, transfer from Ole Miss to uh, Michigan, uh, saying that basically – he, they were misled by school officials and the coaching staff at Ole Miss regarding NCAA violations within the program. Uh, Patterson said, we had really put together a really, really good group in the 2016 class and did everything we needed to do, and Ole Miss didn't, did not do everything they needed to do. Some things were left unsaid that we didn't know about. They didn't think we were going to get get a two-year uh, bowl ban at the end of the day. I wanted to do what was best for me in my career. He went on to say, I've learned that this is a business, and there's nothing wrong with that, and this was a business decision to leave Ole Miss for Michigan. Some would say back in high school that may have been a business decision on his part to leave Calvary for IMG Academy. That's exactly right. Uh And I think he arrived at Calvary from, uh, I think it was in in Texas somewhere. So that may have been a business decision too. So Shay Patterson has made a lot of business decisions in his uh, rather – Young career. You know, it's it's interesting. I want to, if you don't mind for one second, turn the mic, and I want to ask you, uh-huh. how do you feel about this decision? He just bailed on Ole Miss? Yeah, like in your thoughts, yeah. that's what you're thinking yeah, in your he mind. he bailed on Ole Miss. Okay. He saw an opportunity in Michigan. They certainly are in desperate need of a quarterback, and he knew he could get out of Ole Miss and mm-hmm. go to Michigan and be with a national contender immediately. Okay. Uh I was more upset when he left Calvary for IMG Academy. 100% agree yeah, with that. Yeah. That part, I 100% I mean, agree. That, and I remember when that took place, and it was literally in July, and, of course, leading into his senior year. And I was just like, how can you do that to mm-hmm. your teammates at that moment? Yeah, because there wasn't a scandal. There wasn't all of this that, yeah. he could, that he could go back and go, well, here's the reason yeah. why. So we and see, everybody's like, well, look at the opportunity he'll have at right. IMG Academy and the training and the coaching. Literally, he was there for four or five months, and he was gone. Right. And it wasn't like he needed the publicity of IMG Academy to make him one of the premier elite quarterbacks in the country. He was already considered that. Mm-hmm. He didn't need that extra attention. He was already, you know. Right. I don't even know if he had verbally committed by that point to Ole Miss or not. I don't think he had. But uh, he was already considered that. I, I feel like this. Like I feel like you can do that if you want to do that. If it's within the legality of the sport, that if you want to do that, you are absolutely free to do that. It's kind of like this this whole freedom of speech thing. Yeah, absolutely. You can say anything you want. It doesn't mean it's not going to have consequences. So for me, I mean, as far as him doing what he did, I, there's no rules that he can't do it. There you go. You did it. So that, I'm not. that's not even what I'm worried about. But I, the Ole Miss thing, I kind of, in a way <laughs> – I'm, I, I'm. <clears throat> it's a catch twenty two for me because I'm a loyal person. I am loyal to a fault. If you're on my team, mm-hmm. I'm gonna die for. It. I mean, I, my wife, my business partner, they'll tell you that. I don't like people that jump ship, but he can do it. It is. It's just. It's not a real good life lesson. It just seems to me like anytime things get tough, Shea Patterson just runs a jump ship. Mm. 
that's not a good uh, mark to have on your character. Mm. He can do it. There's nothing illegal about it. It's all fine and dandy. Wish him the best, but it doesn't look good on your character mm. at all. This is another quote from Shay Patterson. I can deal with uh, having a chance of not getting to a, a. I can deal with having a chance of not getting to a national championship, but not having a chance at all. I can't deal with that. I put myself in the best situation to succeed and to have a better college career. Started 10 games with uh, Ole Miss, two seasons, went four and six, uh, threw for, what, uh, 3,200 yards, 23 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. Of course, uh, last year he had that knee injury that ended his season after just seven games. Yeah, and, and it's, it's, not a, it's not just a given that he's going to come in and light it. I mean, uh, more than like, don't we think more likely he'll start in Michigan? Yeah. Okay. But that doesn't mean anything. I mean, you know, he's got to produce. Uh, now, he's playing for one hell of a good quarterback uh, coach. Yeah. I mean, you know, Harbaugh is a – he did wonderful things with Alex Smith and Colin Kaepernick. Mm-hmm. And so he's going into a great situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does, still doesn't mean anything. He's got to get out there, and um, he's got to get out there and produce. And he's going to have a target on him. Those uh, Big Ten guys are coming after uh, – so there you go. There's a Shea Patterson update. We got more news and notes coming up. But up next, we'll talk a little college baseball. We love catching up with Lane Burles. We'll discuss their season, what the dogs need to do to strengthen their schedule. As Tech did not make a regional this year, despite posting 39 wins this season. The morning drive on Sports Talk 97.7 is back after this. Welcome back to the show. Today's uh, Louisiana Tech Report brought to you by Legacy Rehab. They offer physical, occupational, and speech therapy solutions for many of our local healthcare facilities. Whether it's sports medicine, pediatrics, or chronic pain management, Legacy covers it all. Serving locations in Ruston, Monroe, Bastor, Farmerville, Bernice, Minden, and South Arkansas. Call 255-5980 for more information. Louisiana Tech Report brought to you by Legacy Rehab. Every uh, Tuesday morning around 8.30 or so throughout the baseball season, we've had Lane Burroughs on the show, and he has been fantastic. He joins us one last time on the Stuart Shelby Hotline. Coach, how are you doing this morning, bud? Hey, Aaron. Doing great, man. You guys doing okay? Yeah, yes, sir. I know this can be a little bit of a, a tough day on this Tuesday after, of course, uh, the selection show and the regional pairings announced yesterday. Uh, how you feeling today and, and overall about this program? Well, feeling a lot better today than yesterday. You know, obviously, uh, as soon as the show was over, we met as a team and uh, one final time, and that's always tough. When you have that final meeting with that team, we'll never be the same group of guys in the, in the one room together probably ever again. And uh, we, we commenced uh, having our exit meetings after that. So we left the office last night about 6 o'clock. It was a long day and um, a lot of emotions. And uh, But we were able to get through that. It was tough. But uh, it's a new day today, and you start planning for next year, uh, looking ahead. But uh, very proud of our guys and what we were able to accomplish this year. Obviously, we would rather be practicing today. It's kind of a weird feeling when you get to the point. Uh, you're in your routine all year. Now you're not. But uh, – couldn't be more proud of our guys the way they fought all year long. A lot of great numbers for this team. What you guys did on the road this year, of course, the 39 overall wins, the number of wins that you had in conference play. Lane, how do you ensure next year, if you're in the same situation, that you are not left out? It's tough, you know, and and everybody, you know, points to the schedule, and uh, I thought we played a good schedule. You know, there's obviously – uh, everybody does scheduling, Aaron, and baseball. The, the coaches do it, and it's it's you do it two, three years. I mean, we're already working on our 2021 schedule. And, uh, you know, next year we play Troy uh, on a weekend. We play Arkansas on a weekend. Um, 
We're playing Sam Houston State in a midweek, playing on it. But I don't know anything about Troy next year. I don't know if they lose their whole team. You know, it, it's tough. Uh, you, you try to play the best teams you can and, and uh, schedule the best you can two, three years out in advance. Uh, you, you just don't know what kind of years people are going to have when you schedule them. And, and um, you know, I, I thought going to the Frisco Classic and, and uh, play, played uh, some tough teams. And I, I thought our conference – probably not as strong this year. I guess RPI in our league was not good. And uh, When you sweep a team uh, in your league and you drop, that's not a good thing. And, and uh, I'm not blaming anybody pointing fingers. See, it's baseball and it's sports. and People are going to have good years, going to be bad years, and there's going to be injuries, and you're going to battle some things. But, uh, yeah, it, it's kind of a, it's a slippery slope, too. Now you can't uh, – you can, you can bulk your schedule up and play as tough a schedule as you want. you still got to go win games. And uh, – I guess you do. There, I see. I see somebody got in yesterday and didn't have 30 wins. So, um, you know that, that that's frustrating. But uh, just do the best you can with your scheduling and do your due diligence and prepare your team and and, and go out and, and you got to win those games and finish the top half of your league. And I felt like we did that this year. And then, of course, uh, with the number of new faces you had on this roster, the expectations for this team, they really uh, evolved and changed throughout the year. You, a lot of people look at 25, 30 wins, 35, then you roll up uh, 39 wins. If you go back, you look at this, this has to be considered a, a success for this team this year. It is. And, and I told our guys yesterday, you know, going in, we didn't really know who we were and what we were about. You're, you're kind of anxious because you hadn't seen these guys play at the Division One level. It, and honestly, Aaron, they, they turned out to be a dream club to coach, in my opinion, for me and, and our coaching staff and the way I, I like to build a team and the way I like to coach a team. They're just, they had a level of toughness about them. And, and uh, honestly, man, it, it, you know, we weren't talented enough to go in and blow people out and every weekend. You look at our, our conference uh, weekends, I mean, it was a grind. I mean, we were right there to either uh, lose the series or be swept, and we found a way to salvage a win or found a way to somehow get get a win on Sunday that, that won the series for us. And, and uh, you know, I, I, I told him yesterday, I said, look, you probably, I could go back and do research, but probably the first team in Conference USA history to win 20-plus conference games and not get in the regional, you know, and that's frustrating. 21-9 uh, and nine and finish second in the league. Um, you know, 21 wins usually wins you a league. And, and I, I just, I think, I won't use the word overachieved, but I really like that what they brought every day to the ballpark. Uh, the, who we became and our identity was, was so fun to watch and so fun to coach. And they kept us on the edge of our seats. But, man, our guys, they just didn't back down. And I love the attitude. And, you know, I, I, we turn the page and say next year there's probably going to be some expectations because everybody's going to be back, most of the team. And, and uh, it'll be fun to see us evolve and work and, and the pieces we're adding and recruiting. Uh, feel good about where our program is. And, Again, you you got to take it out of the hands of the committee. You can't you can't put your fate in somebody's hands you don't know uh, and you don't trust and expect to get the results. You got to go out and do it on the field. And apparently, we we didn't do enough this year. If you have a question or comment for Lane Burroughs, you can hit us up at eight 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 nine nine three seven seven six two. Lane, before we get into to next year, you've been in this business a while. You've seen some wild, some strange, bizarre things happen. Game one of that Conference USA tournament, how odd was that, of course, for you to get the boot in the second, and then, of course, the number of delays that you guys endured? I'll tell you, it was so odd that uh, I don't know if I picked the best game in the world or the worst to get ejected from. That was, <laughs> it ended up uh, lasting more than a day. And there was one point, Aaron, there, you'll find, you'll like this, your listeners, but there was one point during the delay, I was in a back room watching it, 
uh, Conference USA officials, they took me to a back room where I could watch the game and, mm. and keep up with it. And at one point during our delay, it was about 10 o'clock at night, uh, I had Coach Polk, uh, Coach Shoup from UAB, and Coach Barry from Southern Miss. We were all in the room laughing and, and having a good time. And uh, they ended up not playing that night. They sent them back to the hotel. But it, it was just a crazy, crazy uh, first couple of days and so many delays. I think they said we had the most delays. And me and John McCormick were talking about it, coaching FAU during one of our delays. The conference tournaments are just man, you, sometimes it's not real baseball. You know, you guys are yeah. uh, you're working on not a lot of sleep. You're, you're out of your routine. Guys are not eating like they normally would. And, and that's everybody. It's just not us. And, uh, boy, it, you, you really had to be adaptable and, and dominate some elements this past uh, week. And But they did a good job. I wouldn't have given you anything to think they would have got every game in, and they did. Mm-hmm. So kudos to our league and their official, the officials for uh, finding a way to, to finish the tournament. Hey, safety's the number one priority, but do you think they could shift or look into that, what is it, eight-mile radius? Could they could they extend that a little bit more? I, I, you know, I think so. You know, I, I got ejected the second inning in the game lasted 30 hours, uh, Aaron, and I, I met every grounds crew member for the Shuckers down there. We're, we're buddies now, so I was in the uh, back, and uh, I met everybody that works there. That's what one of, the, one of the grounds crew guys came by, and he said, man, what is the deal with the lightning? He said, "I work here, pro ball. This is double A. We never stop." And I said, "Well, it's Ooh. these are these are not uh, grown men, and this is not their job, and it's NCAA rules." But uh, they were astonished, of course. The long nights for them, and they did a great job. But I agree with you. I mean, I, I don't know what the answer is. It's it's like I told Russ Anderson, one of our uh, league officials. I don't want to be on the field when it happens. It's frustrating, and uh, you know everybody wants to play, and you hate the delays, but. Man, if it ever did happen and somebody did get struck by lightning, boy, it would not be a good thing, and I wouldn't want to be there when it happened. But uh, did the best they could, but I agree with you. I think there were some times during those delays that I, I felt like we were pretty safe and and uh, we weren't playing baseball, but that is what it is. Well, with your luck, Lane, you would have been the guy struck by lightning. So. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> All right, moving forward, we look at this team and the nucleus that's coming back next year. What are we looking at, of course, and you got the draft coming up. Uh, what's this team going to look like next season? Well, you, you look at our – it's kind of going to be the opposite of coming in this year. We didn't – we had one returning starter, two really with Parker Bates and, and, and Dalton Skelton. And you look at what Parker Bates did this year. I mean, guy had 50 RBIs. He had eight, you know, almost 20 doubles and hit over 300. And uh, we had a lot of guys make all-conference and – you know, our entire rotation should be back, barring um, some uh, draft or, or free agent signing deals. I know some people are getting some looks, and and uh, most of our, our lineup will be back. We're adding some pieces. I love the pieces we've added to the puzzle that, that are coming in, and there's going to be some competition. But uh, it, it's exciting. Um, you know, The difference is this year I don't think anybody expected much. Next year I think they probably will going into the season. How can you handle that? But uh, I don't know. This this team, just these young men, they have a uh, they have a focus, and it's kind of one of it's it's a it's a good vibe, and I, I love the mentality they have. They just love to play baseball, and uh, we just didn't this year didn't get it done in the in the postseason in the tournament, and and uh, you know to to a man, I think every one of them, because uh, you worry it gets it gets the season's long, it gets late in the year, and guys are getting tired, and uh, but to a man yesterday, I just felt like those guys were very frustrated, and they feel like they should be playing baseball right now. That's a good feeling for a coach. You want them to feel that. And uh, they're going to watch baseball all week this week, and they're going to see teams that we're better than. 
and uh, I hope they remember that feeling uh, next year when we get to going and when you get tired and things get tough and it gets hot and keep pushing and uh, excited about not only next year but where our program's going and, and the future and what it holds. Is there a weakness that needs to be addressed, your biggest concern? Yeah, you know, I thought we were at more athletic this year. I thought we, you know, we ran a lot more, and, and that's something I like to do. I thought our pitching um, was really good. I, you know, we're going to have to find a, a closer. I thought Hazler will be gone, and he was lights out toward the end of the year. You know, Braxton Smith did a good job of that early in the year, and he's back. So uh, we have options. Uh, I thought we defended okay, uh, you know, with Skelton leaving. Uh, Taylor Young did a great job at second, and Huddleston, he didn't do too bad at third defensively either, a lot better than we expected. And we had a revolving door at first base. You know, Hunter Wells is up playing it just so we can get Netterville's bat in the lineup, and he's not a first baseman, you know. And we're asking him to play something he's never done. So there are some areas that uh, that we need to upgrade, and I think we have done that in recruiting. And we're bringing in a couple of, of big bats, Juco, that corner guys that, that we feel like are going to going to jump right into our lineup the good thing is there'll be a lot of competition and we'll have a lot of good players and uh, but yeah there's always areas you need to improve and upgrade and and uh we'll, we'll address those when we reconvene next fall lane finally uh you mentioned the selection committee and of course you look at the the teams that are in this tournament you got 10 sec teams you got six acc squads mm-hmm. for this committee what do you think could be done in the near future so perhaps other schools that aren't power five schools maybe more represented or at least have their argument presented correctly? I think you got to expand it if that's going to happen. You know, in basketball, they get the NIT, and they, they expanded their tournament uh, to get more teams in. And, you know, once you get your 31 automatic qualifiers, Aaron, and then you the 33 spots remaining, and once the Power Five get those, I mean, I think there was there was only like six slots left for group of five. I mean, it's tough. And Dallas Baptist and, and uh, Troy – I think we're the only two, they said 40-40, that had 40 wins, 40 RPI or better. And, I mean, that's just it, – it makes it hard. And, you know, I, I don't – I know I've been in those leagues. I've coached an SEC. Big, I know they're Big 12. I know they're good leagues. But, you know, Oklahoma State won 29 games. I know they finished second. You won 29 games. And, and, I, and I respect Josh Holliday and their program, what they do, and have no problem. But, um, you know, in Washington, I don't know what their RPI is. Somebody told me it was in the 70s or 60s. And, but they beat Stanford two out of three. Well, we beat Southern Miss two out of three. So what are we comparing here? What are we doing? Uh, it makes it hard when you only got six slots left for at large for, for a group of five. And, and uh, you know, it's I, we were ta- I talked about it one of the coaches in our league till 1 o'clock in the morning last night. We just I, we feel like it's got to be expanded to be fair. And there's a lot of good teams left out. And uh, But they do the best they can. I know that to get them in and try to be fair. And, and uh but it, uh, hopefully in the future we'll uh, we'll be able to squeeze in there or, or leave no doubt. And I know you were happy for uh, your, your former team and some of your former players and, of course, the coaching staff there at Northwestern State for them to win a conference championship. Now, I tell you what, uh, when we took over that program, it was down and, uh, to, to be able to build it back. And, and Bobby Barbier was one of my assistants there the last two years. He played there, and, and uh, he has a lot of love for that program, that town, and and to see him do that, and those seniors and guys that we recruited and coached and worked so hard. And, you know, you, you think about all the coaches that came through that program and players, and, man, first time they've ever won that tournament. It's amazing. I, I, I've coached in a couple of championship games as, as an assistant there and, and uh, didn't win them. And I think Northwestern State's been to the championship game like ten times and never won it. So mm-hmm. it is special. They finally 
uh, we're able to do that after being in the league for 30 years. So rooting for those guys for sure. I'll be watching them closely. Coach, you were a pleasure to work with uh, this year. We certainly appreciate your time on the TV and radio side. Uh, probably hit you up here in a couple of weeks, though, to get your uh, analysis on the College World Series. Thank you, bud. Thanks, Coach. Thank you, Aaron. Appreciate you guys so much. Thank you. You bet. Lane Burroughs, Louisiana Tech's head coach. Great stuff there. Dang. Disappointing day. It, disappointing week for him. Such a good season, though. You know, yeah. I mean, this team's on their way up, man. Yeah. He's a good man, too. 39 wins. Good, I mean, right. 21 league uh, wins. 21 and 9 in, in com- I mean, that's pretty. The most in school history. Damn good. Yeah. Let's take a timeout. Coming up next, our parting shots on the morning drive. Welcome back. Before we uh, close up shop for the day, it's time for parting shots on the morning drive. Most disgusting, rudest, sick demonstrations in my entire career. Probably the worst. Our parting shots are clean and spontaneous. Do it live. I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live. Nothing is off limits. Well, that's the stupidest question you've asked today. Of course we don't have any computers. Our fearless hosts. But they are who we thought they were. We'll pull no punches. I wish I was 50 years younger and I'd kick your Time to hand out some knowledge. What else do you want to know? Parting shots as we attempt to end with a bang. I love you guys so much. Bourbon Street, watch out. What you got, Kevo? Uh, kind of a sore subject, but uh, you know we talk about things that fly under the radar, and I know with with LSU going to Oregon State and uh, in this big tournament and everything. Uh, I don't know if people know this, but it kind of flew under the radar. I feel like a little bit, but uh, help me make sure I'm pronouncing his name correctly. Lou Kimlet mm-hmm. is pitching for Oregon State yeah, still, mm-hmm. and I just. I've, you know, given the situation, and if you're not familiar with it, go just Google Oregon State pitcher. That's all you got to do. Just Google Oregon State pitcher, and you can read the story. Um, I, I, uh, I am, I've, you know, it's we root against entire organizations and teams for one guy all the time. I do that with uh, Ben Roethlisberger, and yeah, uh, Lou Kimlick is now. You know, for me, he's made that list. Mm. Like, I am rooting against Oregon State. I don't want Oregon State to win anything. Mm. Um, and the situation is pretty sad. It's it's kind of, uh, you know, I don't know where we are today that this is. But it is what it is. He is pitching. Uh, he's in the tournament. So, uh, if you're not familiar with the story, just Google Oregon State pitcher, and you'll see why we all need to root against that university. Root for LSU anyway, but it gives us a, a vested interest to root against Oregon State. Tough draw for LSU. The fact that they, they did get at least a number two seed. Most figured they were going to be a number three seed. And I felt sorry for whoever was hosting a regional. If LSU shows up as a three, but they do get up to a number two. A two, yeah. But they will go to Oregon State. So they're basically flying across the country. And now they're squaring off against a squad that carries a huge chip on their shoulder and will have a huge grudge against LSU. Tigers will start on Friday against San Diego State, the number three seed. Of course, Northwestern State also in that regional as the number four seed. That's so awesome, man. So if they get a charter plane LSU, do they then allow Northwestern State to jump on board, too, to try to help out the state? I save some fuel yeah. and, and money. I don't know why they a charter. Northwestern it. State's got to go commercial, probably. <laughs> They'll arrive sometime right before 4, uh, four o'clock or whenever they play on Friday. They, you know, that's it's kind of an elementary. Well, they, th- it. they should do it, though. <laughs> Damn it! Save save the taxpayers some money. 
All right, uh, this is just a crazy yeah. story here from uh, Long Island. So the worst thing about parents that are disgruntled with coaches is oh. if the parents have money, and this was certainly the case in uh, Long Island. So a playoff game was taking place, and uh, it featured uh, Briar Cliff, and uh, they're very good. In fact, they're uh, one of the favorites to win their division in that state. They finished up the regular season at 17-3. and three. In fact, they're the number one seed in Class B. So they're playing a playoff baseball game, and it's going along well, and I actually think they're winning. And then all of a sudden, a small plane spotted above the diamond. And the banner reads, Fire Coaches Schrader and Klausowski, the two coaches of the team that's number one in Class B and has a 17-3 and three record. So then the plane continues to circle around the diamond for a number of minutes. That's pretty rough. Somebody paid the plane to tether, Yeah. fire the coaches. So uh, some good investigative work here. Uh, the owners of Fly Signs Aerial Advertising <laughs> said a woman came in and paid his company $1,200 to have the sign flown above the Briarcliff High School playoff game. They wanted it for uh, 30 minutes to be flown over the ballpark i did as a business owner i'd have done it too yeah. i mean as long you know again as long as we're not saying anything that hurts children or do anything you know but something like that yeah okay uh, they would not identify the woman but i uh, said the plane flew out of brookhaven long island she actually wanted it to be flown uh, last friday but uh weather postponed the flyover until monday why would they have just this makes the story more interesting. Why I, I want to know who the woman is now. I mean, yeah. not that I know her, but what relationship does she have with, you know, the teams? Uh, this is interesting. Superintendent comes across strong and very one, well yeah. here. The superintendent says, yesterday's flyover served to highlight what can happen with adults lose perspective on high school sports. Yeah. In an attempt to promote self-interest, some adults become willing to uh, help uh, steal the joy from young athletic programs. Uh, In time, I'm sure it will be known who was responsible. Until then, our focus remains on raising confident, capable, and joyful young men and women. Our athletic program is merely an extension of this larger educational mission. And, and you said there were like 16 and 3? or 17 and 3, the number one seed. Yeah, so there's got to be something more to this, right? I mean... We find out later it's his wife, and he was no, doing, it's I mean, probably just her son is on the bench and probably not, not playing. Play. Yeah. yeah, so yeah, that is very sad. And uh, hey, on one more note, James Hampton. I don't know if who's heard about this. The young seventeen-year-old uh, uh, played for Team United. Uh, was at the Nike Elite Youth Basketball Tournament over the weekend. Collapsed on the floor and passed away. Seventeen years old mm. over the weekend. Way to bring the show down there, Kevin. Ah, uh, man, I'm just, yeah, I know, but we got to remember people, people like him. That's such a, such a sad, you know. We now look so forward sad. to the uh, yes, build sorry. up, of course, of the NBA Finals. You got uh, LeBron, and of course, his Cavaliers will be the largest underdog in 16 years in the NBA Finals. We bet. Do you remember the bet we had on the Patriots and the Jags? I mean, uh-huh. it worked out for you. Yeah, it worked out well. Best but, time I've ever had. Yeah, right. So, you know, we've got to figure out another bet here. Like, I don't think the Cavs are going to win the series by no means. Uh, I think it's going to go like well, I four you games to one. The Cavs, and you're going to let me have Golden State. That's is, is, that's what you're wanting yeah. to do. You're going to give me a lot of buckets. I mean, a lot of buckets. Uh, but we got to come up with something. I mean, do you think the Cavs will win two games? You think they'll win? I mean, you think it'll go seven? I actually give the Cavs more of a chance now than before. 
Really? Yeah, just because Golden State has not looked that good to me. Okay. I mean, if, if I'm very, if I hope Paul, you're right. If Chris Paul is in that game or is able to play, you know, at least 10, 15 minutes. That's uh, a different outcome. The Rockets are in the NBA Finals. Okay. And LeBron, just what he continues to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, at some point, you think he's got to run out of gas. Well, eventually, like, it's like Brady. Eventually, he's going to get old. Yeah. You would think it's going to happen. Mm. But I don't know. I uh, want to thank uh, Lane Burroughs and, of course, Gus Cattengill for joining us today. Coming up tomorrow, we will have Dr. Jeff Couch, and uh, we're working on a couple other guests. Thanks for filling in, Kevin. And once again, Anytime you need me, bro. congratulations to uh, Jake and having a baby daughter and, of course, not listening to my advice. Please, thank you. Uh, Emerson Jane Martin has Beautiful. arrived. Beautiful little girl, man. Congrats, and God bless them. We'll be yeah. praying for them. Everybody have a fantastic day. The Edge is coming up next. Thanks for listening to the best of the morning drive with Dietrich and White. To listen live every day, tune in at ESPN977.com or subscribe in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find podcasts.